Hey, welcome back Screen Crush, I'm Ryan Airy, and we're gonna talk about Ahsoka Episode 4. This episode was pretty great. I mean, I've got some nitpicks and a lot of theories, and later on I'm gonna talk to Dotson Sites and Colton Ogburn for their thoughts. And, I gotta tell you, this episode brings back one of my least favorite things in Star Wars that I'm gonna talk about in just a little bit. And I've got some big theories on where we're gonna go from here. I see everything, Carl. I'm 50 moves ahead of you and everybody else. And as always, I want to thank all of you for watching and shopping our brand new merch store where me and the Screen Crush team get to design shirts like the Hello There, The Apprentice Lives, the original trilogy, and many more. So, I felt like this episode and episode 3 really should have been one episode. Both were like half an hour long and told a pretty incomplete story. I mean, episode 3 was about Sabine and Ahsoka starting off at a low point and then, you know, coming to work together. While this episode was like the falling action from that. They begin together, but then they are ripped apart. I loved how this episode episode had an actual theme of attachment. Ahsoka warns Sabine that sometimes she has to lose what she wants for the greater good. Sometimes we have to do what's right, regardless of our personal feelings which sets up her choice to find Ezra over keeping Thrawn away from the galaxy. But this theme also resonates with Ahsoka, who feels guilt and attachment to Anakin over her role in his fall. She was disillusioned by the Jedi Council, which drove Anakin to mistrust the Jedi Council, which led to his fall. And Anakin is the poster boy for not attaching yourself too much to others, because his love for Padme led to him turning to the dark side. Even Hera's small story over just two episodes shows this theme of attachment, where she is willing to disobey orders to help her friends, which is a watered-down version of Anakin's turn to the dark side. And, as a Star Wars fan who devours like every second of this universe, there were so many rewards here. It's like a reward. Like how the runes in the end credits translate into Star Wars planets, and even this one on the map that translates to Occlusion Zone, which is where the Nihil live in the High Republic novels. And a couple episodes ago, the Arabesh here read Police. Hey, do you, do you translate that Arabesh with a key, or can you, like, read the alphabet? Yeah, I can read it, but I'm a little rusty, so sometimes we use a translation key. Do you speak Hatties? Estoy aprendiendo a tis. Ichu mighty Chewbacca! Actually, no, Doug, I don't speak Hatties because it's a made-up language. But all languages are made up. Yeah, I know. No, but Hatties is just like random sounds. But I am doubling down on learning a new language, Spanish. Oh yeah? Yeah, I took it in high school and I got to the point where I could say a few phrases, but then the part about like masculine and feminine word forms really floored me. But now I'm finally understanding it because I've been taking lessons on Babbel. They're the sponsor of this video. See, Babbel doesn't just teach you random vocabulary words like this. What buenos dias? Buenos dias! Babbel teaches you the language from the ground up, so I have way exceeded what I learned in high school, and now I'm getting to the stuff that I really love, learning to have a conversation and espanol. The lessons use situations and dialogue that you would actually use in the real world, like this one where a guy is new in school. Hola, tú eres Alejandro, ¿verdad? And then I've just learned that the correct verb to use here is eres. So, for me, taking lessons like that that are interactive where actual humans are talking to each other is just an easier way to digest it. Like, I do my exercises for about 10 minutes every morning. See, Babbel helps you to start speaking a new language in just three weeks. Use these short, 10-minute lessons that are made by actual language teachers, not some AI or an algorithm. In fact, if you use our link in the description or scan this QR code to sign up, you get 60% off a of Babbel subscription. Now, I was always too intimidated to start a new language, but Babbel has made it so easy. And I'm telling you guys, Babbel really works. 
University studies have shown that 15 hours of Babbel equals a semester of college Spanish, and they offer lessons in 14 different languages. And it's fall. It always makes me feel like I should be back to school anyways. And Babbel has a few different subscriptions to choose from. So if you are interested in learning a language, this is a great opportunity to try it out. Click our link in the description or scan this QR code to get started today. So back to the connections to the wider universe in this episode. Seeing Hera with Carson Tiva, Sabine using the Force, and that ending, that ending. For Clone Wars fans, Anakin and Ahsoka's story is so tragic. I mean, from the moment we met her in the Clone Wars movie, we knew this wasn't going to end well because we'd already seen Revenge of the Sith and we knew what happened to all the Jedi. And then the way these two evolved over the years was just... Perfection. And I just love that we're able to see these characters from different eras and different media meet each other. It's like that scene in the Book of Boba Fett where Luke meets Ahsoka. I mean, it's amazing. It's something we always imagined and wanted to see. I mean, just hearing Ahsoka say, I'm an old friend of the family. These are the stories that I've wanted to see since I was a kid. Luke, rebuilding the Jedi Order, all that stuff. I mean, instead we're doing this, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. So the lightsaber fights in this episode were fine at first, but I think they got progressively way better. In our Easter egg video, I talked about how the volume volume is like great for visuals, but it like limits action scenes. I mean, the fight in the woods takes place in front of the woods with a few prop trees around. Whereas I like the forest fight between Rey and Kylo Ren, which is a lot more raw and tactile. Or even compare it to Andor, which used all practical sets and felt more gritty and immersive. But the fight between Balin and Ahsoka was top notch, with the two of them adapting different forms to gain an advantage. And I love that Sabine chose her attachment over the mission because it is so in keeping with her character. Sabine is somebody who has always been ruled by her passions. In the show Rebels, we saw her walk away from the rebellion to stand with her family. We saw her betray the Empire. We saw her betray her family's honor to stand with the rebels. She's always somebody who has fallen her heart. So this makes perfect sense for her going forward. And we got a real Empire Strikes Back ending here, with one character being held captive by the bad guys and another character facing like a major identity crisis. Hell, I mean, this is like a literal cliffhanger ending. I'm literally dying. So as a Star Wars fan, I am very excited. Yeah, but what about the Merrick reveal? That was a big, dumb disappointment. No, it was not a big, dumb disappointment. We actually had a lot of fun speculating that Merrick could be Ezra or Starkiller, but that is the fans placing expectations on this show. It's not the show's fault that it didn't fulfill our dumb fan theories when they made it months and months and months ago. I did absolutely nothing wrong. I'm not to blame. It's not my fault. And what we got is actually better for the show. Merrick is being controlled with Night Sister magic, which ties in closer to the story that we are watching. A story about a Night Sister villain. Bringing in Starkiller would have been too much of like an extra thing to explain. And this show is already complicated enough. So let me talk about that complication. It's something I really don't like that much. The world between worlds. I don't like it. I can tolerate it. It's not a deal breaker for me like this is. You are a Palpatine. I mean, the world between worlds is a nexus of all space and time, which essentially introduces time travel into Star Wars, even if it's like the closed loop time travel that we see in Interstellar. But like, as our friend Heather Antos said on here last week, it's too sci-fi and Star Wars is fantasy. But mostly, I don't like the world between worlds because it's making the force too literal and too specific. The force is simple. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, and penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. George Lucas's earliest drafts of Star Wars made the Force like hyper-specific. It was about the wills and this crystal and all this other stuff. But in rewrites, he realized that the Force should be kept simple, like Obi-Wan explained. But then when we get into the world between worlds, it's over-explaining the Force. The Force should be like so simple, so relatable that everybody can relate to it, whatever religion you follow. Luminous beings don't eat. 
not this crude matter. But when you start to make the force specific, it loses its resonance, it loses its power, it makes the galaxy smaller. The more vague a story is, the more people can relate to it. Like in his book, Understanding Comics, Scott McCloud talks about the image of a smiley face. Everybody can relate to a smiley face because the image is relatable. Most people have two eyes and a mouth. In fact, on our own faces, we're only constantly aware of our eyes and mouth at all times. But the more detail you add to the smiley face, the less it looks relatable. It's no longer your face, it becomes someone else's face. Can you explain what you're doing in this photo? That's not me. That's not you? Nope. Just like the more you explain the Force, the less relatable it gets. Like, okay, there's this three-episode arc on the Clone Wars about the Force gods on a planet called Mortis. It's a weird arc where essentially Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan encounter three beings that embody different aspects of the Force, and then they wake up like it was all a dream. That episode works when it's a fever dream, like it's Twin Peaks. It's true what they say. We can change the balance of the universe. But then the Mortis God showed up in a mural in Star Wars Rebels, and that mural led to the world between worlds, and so these Force Gods became like very literal beings. Like, okay, we all hate midi-chlorians, right? Midi-chlorians are a microscopic life. All right, shut up. Because they over-explain Star Wars. And now I'm worried that the world between worlds is going to become an over-explainer for the Star Wars afterlife. The book Return of the Jedi from a certain point of view has a short story by Mike Chen that details Anakin's thoughts as his spirit is reformed in the afterlife. He hears the voice of people talking about him, similar to how Ezra hears voices from the past and the future. Those voices. The time to fight is now. Where are they coming from? And now that Anakin's spirit is apparently here, I'm worried that this is now going to be the Star Wars afterlife. So that's my old man yells at Cloud speech about Star Wars. Who's laughing now? <laughs> now I want to talk about my theories about what's going to happen next, and then bring in Dodd and Colton to tell me if I'm full of it and hear what they thought of the episode. Now I think that obviously Ahsoka is going to use the world between worlds to get to the other galaxy, and that Hera will get there by following the Purgle. The Rebels and the Republic are always in tune with nature, while the Empire destroys nature with technology. But in the meantime, Ahsoka is going to get to do some weird time travel stuff. Anakin is going to show her different parts of history. Like we are going to see the Knights of the High Republic maybe crossing over with the Acolyte. We could see her interacting with Rey or young Palpatine or herself as a baby trapped in the woods. I think Dave Filoni has created a very weird, fun corner of the Star Wars galaxy. And I could really see him exploiting this live action opportunity to show us some really weird stuff that's all going to tie together in that culmination movie that he's creating. But that's just my thoughts. I am joined here by two of my all-time favorite Star Wars fans. We have Screen Crush's own Dotson Sides and Colton Ogburn. So, uh, Dot, I want to hear from you first on this. First of all, just tell me, you know, your thoughts on the episode. And we haven't had you on in a while, so you can tell us your thoughts on the series so far. And if this episode over-delivered what we've seen or if it under-delivered, what are your thoughts? Look, uh, as I probably said last time I was here, I'm a big Filoni fanboy. And, like, each episode for this has really, like, stepped it up for me. And I think so far, this episode is the best episode we've seen yet. Um, I, I really get stuck in a lot of the fight scenes, right? Um, and how they went back and forth. And I got, I think we got a lot of fun fight scenes here, especially when it comes to that fight scene with, uh, between Balin and Ahsoka. Um, just the way like he wields that sword, right? I thought about this and like, he wields it like a great sword, right? It's, 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 it stands straight up. He wields it like it's really heavy, Right. He's always holding it up like this. He never does like any of the defensive maneuvers that you see with a lot of these other Jedi. And what that made me think about is um, how Din also had that same problem with the Darksaber, how it was like heavy and weighted for him. Right. But he didn't really know how to use it versus Balin, who knows kind of how to sling that weight around. I just think details like that is really where 
Filoni shines and kind of how he could connect his whole whole universe together. And um, because of that, uh, you know, this this whole series, uh, in all honesty, and episode three in particular, have really, really stood out to me. Yeah, and I thought their fight, him and Ahsoka, was great. And as I talked about earlier, though, the volume fight, where they're very limited in their range of motion, yeah. it just always sticks out to me. Colton, what were your thoughts on the episode? What do you think? You had, you really liked that ending, right? Oh, I love that ending. And I, I'm really glad. I know people are saying that he looked weird, and I, I'll concede he looked a little weird, but I, I'm glad they de-aged him because... I'll tell you what's weirder is seeing him when he's supposed to be, what, a teenager or, or like, young 20s and he looks 40. That That's stranger to me. Yeah, and so, Obi-Wan and the flashback, right? Yeah, but yes, was, and Kenobi, yeah. But see, they got it backwards because that's a flashback. That's a flashback. Right. He can look, you right. know, he's supposed to look younger in a flashback. But this, hell, he could have had a beard. <laughs> exactly, anything, you're exactly you know? right. I, yeah. I would have rather him be de-aged in uh, Kenobi, yeah. Um, the episode overall, I, I loved it. I agree with the point you made. Uh, three and four, it's three and four, right? They, they should have been one episode, I think. Yeah. They were both like half an hour long. They should have just been one hour long episode, and it would have been a really badass piece of Star Wars. Um, I'm enjoying the show overall. I, I don't know why it seems like so many people are are now saying that ah Ahsoka is great because of the, that ending and the cool fight between Ahsoka and Balin. I've been enjoying the show from the jump. So yeah, I'm really enjoying the series. And yes, I think this episode was by far the best. The other cool thing about this series that we haven't really had with the Mandalorian, we've had it more with like some Marvel series, is we really are getting to guess what the hell is going on. Like there's a lot of mysteries teased in this show. Some of them are fan theories. Dodd, you've written some videos for us. <clears throat> you wrote a great video for us about stargates and how the gateways, how it connect the world between worlds. And you were right. Hooray! Uh, Look, Colton, been, you wrote a video. We've been for getting us. a lot of, of them right recently. I feel like. Yeah, we, I mean, we throw a lot out there. We do. Mm -hmm. uh, Colton, you wrote one uh, and hosted the video about Darth Maul maybe coming back. And some other channels have criticized that theory. I think it's a lot of fun. I think we're talking about space wizards, and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's well, that's if the, the theory true or not, you know? it's all fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just it's it's things that we can all get excited about and hyped about. Um, I will say though that Merrick in particular got a lot of got made fun of a lot online. We've got the thing. We got the the Mephisto thing here, right? WandaVision's a great show. WandaVision never actually teased Mephisto. WandaVision was never going to have Mephisto. But, you know, YouTube ran crazy with it, so Twitter ran crazy with it. Uh, and the same thing happened with Merrick. You know, we put out a video that I really liked. We were like, hey, this guy could be Ezra. Wouldn't that be cool? And, of course, he wasn't. He was uh, a piece of Night Sister magic. So what did you guys think about that Merrick? Merrick? I think it's Merrick. About the Merrick reveal. Rock. You know, we found all this Arthurian symbolism about the wolf, stuff like that. Uh, Dodd, did, did that reveal work for you? Are you, are you sad we didn't get Sam Witwer as Starkiller? What's up? I am well. Look, I would have loved to see Starkiller for sure, but I, I think that there's still there's still hope. Okay, there's still possibility here. I think our, the, my new running fan theory is actually um, Merrick was Rick the door technician, uh, reincarnated by the <laughs> Night Sister back to life uh -huh. to fight again. I think that that would be good redemption for his character arc. Um, but no, um, I think uh, it's even possible that we could see another Merrick. And what I mean by that is if the, that was just a character that was revived from the dead, we could see yep. a, another person that's revived from the dead that just wears some dead's Inquisitor armor. It may be why his armor looks so much like the Eighth Brother. Um, and so, you know, 
for me, whenever I get, um, I remember very quick detour when I played uh, Batman Arkham City. I remember having a prediction that I knew who the villain was right from the get go, and I was right. And it was so cool when I was right about it. But then mm -hmm. afterwards, immediately, I was a little bit disappointed because I was like, I could kind of see it coming, right? And yeah, so when you yeah. have an answer that, that, that changes what you think and like really is like, oh, I didn't see that one coming. No one got that one right. I think that that's a win for the studios overall. That means that we should still be invested in them. That means that we can still make theories about stuff. That means that, you know, that, that, that just makes it more possible for us. So for me, I still like the Merrick reveal. I still think there's a, probably a little bit more to it, right? I feel like with how much they, the mystery they put behind that character... I think there may be something at least more, even if that's just that we see another body reincarnated and wearing some Inquisitor armor uh, later on down the road. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's fine that everyone missed that. <laughs> and I think you're right. I think that is not the end we're going to have. I don't think it's going to be just America's goes up in smoke. Ha ha. I think that was a, a heavy spoilers tweet that I just quoted. <laughs> um, there's going to be some other that's going to come back. You know, it's something we've seen Night Sister Magic resurrect people in games like Fallen Order, which you referenced with Rick, the door right. technician. Um, I'm this cat is going to fall off of this counter. I can just <laughs> see it happening and it's going to be right. amazing and go viral. Um, but I also think, you know, the Darth Maul theory actually is a little more possible right. now that if that Filoni did want to do this like greatest hits tour of his shows, not Darth Maul. Darth Maul's buried in the sands of mm -hmm. Tatooine, probably close to where Luke grew up, which is weird. Uh, but if they want to bring him back as a spirit and bring Sam Witwer back, they totally can do that. And it would totally fit within this very weird corner of Star Wars that Dave Filoni has created. Colton, did you like the Merrick reveal or did it leave you wanting? I loved it. And I don't think I've told you this. I think I told Dodd. And I tweeted it. I don't think I told you. I saw the tweet. I had a line the in the original <laughs> script. Yeah. I yeah. saw. Yeah, you got to tell, tell I had a line in my original script. I was like, if, wouldn't it be cool, you know, if like Ahsoka strikes down Merrick and like this green smoke just lifts out of his uh, deflated armor. And I, and I ended up mm -hmm. cutting it because it just didn't seem pertinent to what we were talking about specifically in that moment. But now, I, so mm -hmm. when I was watching the episode and I saw that happen, I'm like... Well, it's, it's uh, Savage Opress. That's what happens yeah. when Palpatine kills <laughs> Savage Opress. Every time I say his name, I think that is the silliest <laughs> Star Wars. It is, it is the most ridiculous Star Wars name. It is the dumb. It's literally it's, the word Savage Opress. They just pronounce it differently. But you know, make it, two really it, scary words, put them together, and that's going to be our villain name. You know, just, just put a comma the pronunciation somewhere just a little bit. Yeah. I know, I know. Um, oh, Filoni. Um, so. Well, I, I was going to yeah, say that I, I like that Merrick or Maroc, however you pronounce it, I like that it, he was just him. Like, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. want it to be Starkiller. I, I think Starkiller's a really cool character. I, I think that would have kind of neutered the character if you introduced him as some Inquisitor. Mm -hmm. I, I think right. if you're going to bring in Starkiller, bring in Starkiller. That's how you do it. So, yeah, I was glad to see that Merrick was just Merrick, I mean, to a degree. And I, I'm excited to learn what exactly is going on there with Elspeth resurrecting mm -hmm. bodies and putting Night Sister mm -hmm. magic within them and how that and works. Because with the Sith Inquisitor blade and where that connection is. And right. 
you know, I think I think that's the kind of thing that will be answered in this show. It doesn't feel like that's going to be safe for the movie. Um, and I, I will say, too, that uh, just for people who don't know, Starkiller was the, the main like, protagonist of the Force Unleashed games, and he was Darth Vader's apprentice. And there's a whole, there's, you know, he dies and gets cloned and it's all this other stuff. So the only thing that would have been cool about having him in this show is we would have had Anakin's apprentice, Ahsoka versus Vader's apprentice, Starkiller. But what, right. a, what a terrible way to introduce him as like a silent villain who's like a yeah. side character yeah. setting up his own spinoff animated show or comic book. It, it, it's fine how it is. I'm, I was really happy with it, too. I couldn't believe that so many people were sad that their stupid fan theories weren't right. Um, <laughs> unlike our stupid fan theories, which are either right or amazing. Right. So speaking of stupid fan theories... Um, I've talked about a few just a little bit ago about, and some of them I think I would bet good solid money on, like Ahsoka getting to uh, Peridia through the world world between worlds. Fine. Yeah. Um, everyone else getting there with the Purgle, also fine. Dodd, you got any you got any whacked out theories for me about where this is going to go? Because this this is a Star War where I don't know what's going to happen. Right. The world between worlds opens up so many doors and so many possibilities. So I think I've got a pretty realistic theory and then I've got a pretty whacked out theory. My pretty realistic theory is that I think that what's going to happen is we're going to have a big talk between Anakin and Ahsoka. And um, we're eventually going to get to a situation where Ahsoka can pull Ezra into the world between worlds, just like Ezra pulled Ahsoka into the world between worlds. It rhymes. It's oh, mirrors, that'd be nice. It rhymes. Kind of things, yeah, right? it's poetry. Yeah, good poetry and stuff. So know. I think that's a realistic right, theory. Right, Doug? Right. Oh, yeah, it's poetry, it rhymes. Yeah, 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 it's poetry. Good. <laughs> and uh, I think that the more unrealistic theory is Ahsoka following the same path that Anakin follows. Now, I think this is a little bit unrealistic because we've seen Ahsoka as, like, the beacon for the light and has this all, whole light incarnate thing, right? Um, but her master was the chosen one who was also the biggest, most powerful Sith in the galaxy, right? They're, they're a, a force family of extremes, if you will. Um, and what mm -hmm. I really noticed about this last episode that I thought was interesting, back to, again to the fight styles, Ahsoka goes down to one saber for like really no reason other than just to kind of be a badass, right? And I love it. It's really, really cool. And Rosario Dawson really does a great job in these scenes. Um, but there's another thing that I noticed about it, which is that like she starts enjoying it, right? She's like in the middle of this conflict. There's so many things at stake. She knows what's on the line. She's been stoic this entire time, but she kind of like starts enjoying and toying with Merrick as she's finishing him off. And same thing with Balin. Mm -hmm. Like, she could have gone double sabers, and the way he was wielding that thing, like, she could have easily overwhelmed him. But she didn't, and she was kind of enjoying the fight, enjoying the conversation. Like, there's a part of it where I feel like mm -hmm. she's honestly repressing a dark side within her. And if that's the yep. case, then she could have some kind of end-up flip. I mean, I think that there is going to be... At the end of this, I think the villain is not just Thrawn. I think it's Thrawn and one of their members of the Phoenix Squad. My first thought mm -hmm. was that's going to be Sabine, and it really looks like it could be Sabine right now. I think that that's, that's pretty spot on. But if it's not Sabine, I think it could even be Ahsoka, which would be wild to think the Conduit of the Light would turn to the dark side. But I think, especially in this second era of Star Wars, where it's kind of like light and dark, yin-yang versus, versus like you know completely polarized sides of the force maybe there's a way that this rhymes and fits in there it also looked like ahsoka force choked shen for a second like she yeah. starts off force choking her and stopping her and shen grabs her throat and then she throws her to the side so 
There's also that moment in episode one where Hu Yang asks about how she found out, how Ahsoka found out from Morgan where the map is, and she basically says that she tortured her. Let's just say I didn't follow standard Jedi protocol. So right. she's definitely someone who does not follow the Jedi code and isn't afraid to make uh, those tough choices. She's the Jack Bauer of Star Wars. Colton, what about you? Uh, what's your, you got any whacked out fan theories for us down the stretch here? I don't know if it's whacked out, but I, I like the theory that you and I talked about, about this not being Anakin's force ghost, but actually being an Anakin who, like, is taking place, like, during the time of the Clone Wars, for example. Right. And he has found a portal, like, under the Jedi Temple or something into the world between worlds. Now, that introduces plot holes, like, well, why can't Ahsoka warn him that he becomes Vader? But right. then my response to that would be, like, what she told Ezra, like, you can't save Kanan's life because that'll muck everything up. Um, so we, I, we I think that would be We talked about this really... in our Indian Explained video yesterday, too. Yeah. And you compared it, I talked about it being like Back to the Future. You said it was like um, Frigga and Thor, right? Yeah, it could be a situation. Or in Endgame, though, sorry. In Endgame, yeah, with Frigga and Thor. In that scene in Endgame, the way they talk to one another, it, it's like there's information that they know they can't share with one another. And like Frigga doesn't even try to get any information out of Thor because she knows that's just not the purpose of this meeting that they're lucky to be having. So I think Ahsoka and Anakin might both respect the fact that the Force has put them together at this time, like across space and time, and they mm -hmm. might just respect the fact that they get a moment to reconnect. It, it might be a moment in time where Ahsoka is no longer... In, in fact, it would be. Uh, Ahsoka would no longer be with the Jedi Order at that time, based on how Anakin looks there. And his, this would his be hair between, is longer. Yeah. yeah, this would be between when she left and when she comes back in Season 7. So mm -hmm. they may just appreciate that time together, that time to perhaps finish her training, and they may just understand that they're not meant to share with each other what's going on in a detailed way in their own personal lives in the era that they're in, but instead just help one another in like an encouraging type way, the same way Frigga did with Thor, the talk they had. And I think actually they cut away from most of that talk in Endgame, but it becomes clear that she gave him the like guiding words he needed to know that he was worthy. And I feel like Ahsoka could really use something like that from her master mm -hmm. that she never really got from him because she left. And then when she came back, he very soon became Vader. So this could be like a, a sense of closure for Ahsoka with her master and that can make it to where she can now become a better master for Sabine. What other possibilities do you think the world between worlds, because if you're right, if your theory is right, that we talked about and explained yesterday, then, well, who else can come in here? We could get Luke Skywalker, you know, from The Last Jedi, the way he looked when he was fighting Kylo Ren. We, we could get anybody. So do you think they're going to do that? Are we going to get Star Wars Avengers portals with all this weird stuff like Patton Oswalt's rant and Parks and Rec? Wolverine's going to be there now. Cyclops is going to be there. So the Quinjet comes through. Luke gets in his X-Wing to go out and meet them. Or do you think it's just going to be for this one thing and then they maybe there's a battle of the world? I don't know. Dodd, what do you think? Where are we going to go with this, like, other people coming in? I think that this... The world between worlds, what we need, if, if this is coming into live action, we need this world fleshed out a little bit more. There's a lot of mystery, even when it was introduced in even the, the show, right? So I think 
um, you know, one of the things that we, we've noticed and stuff is that, like, the dark side of the Force can't really access it. The, that Emperor Palpatine tried to get mm-hmm. in there, but he couldn't, right? And we don't really know exactly why that was, but we have a good idea that it's probably because he was super-duper evil. Um, now... Does that mean that people that have a touch of the light side can go? I mean, Ezra went there, but we've seen him access the dark side. Like, does the dark side prevent you from accessing it? Like, where where are those boundaries? Obviously, now we see Anakin in there, right? So that has huge implications. And, you know, the the, the big... I think we need more of this world fleshed out is what, I, what I'm trying to get at. And, um, you know, to... to, to understand what what kind of theories we could like kind of get from there i think that 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 this next episode really has to answer those questions why is anakin there is he a actual i mean he's got to be a force ghost does this mean ahsoka's dead right all of these all of these things man like i i i want to see less explanation Mm -hmm. you know like that mortis arc is really cool if it's basically a dream these people had like there was a vision through the force but then they show up in the mural and it's real and you know like I don't want to fully understand the intricate mysteries of the universe because then it stops being interesting. So same thing with this being his force ghost. That automatically opens up a whole thing where that chapter in a certain point of view, like this is the physical manifestation of the afterlife. I don't don't know. Even like Revenge of the Sith, how they were like, oh, and Master Qui-Gon's going to teach you how to do this from the beyond. And that's fine, but like, does it need to be explained? Can it just be some things are without it I don't know, tainting the, the you know, we don't need to see the shark before act two, I guess is what I'm saying. Colton, what do you think? Are we, is it too much? Is it just, are they giving us too much or is it not enough? Well, well, I, I hope to God they don't do some portal scene where we see Plo Koon and Kit Fisto and <laughs> Empire Strikes Back Han on a Tauntaun with Luke's lightsaber. I don't. <laughs> would that be cool? Sure, but it it would be awful. Yeah. It, it would be absolutely awful. So I I hope that they have the restraint not like to do something. Lego like Ray coming oh, in. Yeah, Greedo shooting first. It, it would just be too much. Um, <laughs> I have a question though. though for that part, going back. To, <laughs> yeah, I have a question. Yeah, if Greedo came in, guns a blazing, right? he would just shout his war cry. That would yeah, yeah. <laughs> My I want Boss Nass to come in. <laughs> Jar Jar is a Sith. Oh, dude! Right, Dexter Jester. Give me a, give me a universe where Jar, yeah, Jar, Jar, Jar 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 is a Sith. That would be that would be that would be pretty cool way to address a whole bunch of different fan theories. Like as hokey yeah. as that would be, that would be fun. Where it would be fun, but it belongs in a Star Wars Lego. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or a what if? In a sh- or a what if? If they? Oh God, I wish they would do oh, that. That'd be fun. so cool. Um, again, they did the great comics uh, back at Dark Horse in the day. But anyways, sorry. I wanted I to ask, where do you guys fall on her being dead? Because I heard a lot of people saying, oh, well, she must have died. I didn't get that at all. I was under the assumption that, you know, we, we did that video talking about how there are different, like, uh, I theorize that there are, like, force hotspots at different temples mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I, I would assume her is a balanced force user. And if you think about it so far... She's a balanced force user. Ezra was a balanced force user. Neither of them were too much on the dark or the light. Maybe that's the key to entering the world between worlds. And and that's what I kind of thought was happening there. She was right on the, what did Balin call it? The the nexus point or something uh, mm-hmm. on CTOS. I think that she might have gone straight through that portal. And that that's how she's there. I, I didn't get the impression that she was dead. Dodd, do you think she's dead? Um, I think either one of two things happened. I, well, no, I don't think she's dead, first off. Um, but I think that either... 
so there's only two ways we've seen people enter the world between worlds. Either you walk through some kind of portal or you get pulled in, right? So mm-hmm. I think either she fell into some kind of portal, which happened to be on the other side of the cliff or, or in the water or something. We don't know how these force things work, right? They could even be underwater where she like sank in, like goes unconscious, falls mm-hmm. through. I don't know. That seems a little bit weird. But I think what's more mm-hmm. likely is that uh, Anakin pulled her in, right? Love the that. The thing that yeah, is, is, that. is yes. a little bit crazy to me is that, and, and, and I don't know if, maybe I'm wrong about this. Someone's going to check me in the comments if, if I am. But this is the first time I think we've seen like a Force ghost in the world between worlds talking like this to, to a, another person. And so I don't know it what is. that aspect Physically. says about the world between worlds. If it's some kind of heaven. If it's some kind of place where like light side of, of, this, of the Force can reside. I think that my running theory is that it's kind of like a a light side heaven, like a heaven in the traditional sense, like where only good people can go on the light side of, of it can go. And since Anakin died as the chosen one, as the person who we saw at in the Battle of Endor, right, that kind of like embodiment of his light side, his his spirit is still able to access that world. And because, you know, he was kind of like an absent father through most of Ahsoka's life. This is his one time to be like, all right, look. I don't do this for everybody, but I kind of owe Snips one here. And so pull it, pulling her in, setting her straight. And then I think that he could end up being a bridge that brings her to Ezra. Ezra's pulled into the world between worlds. Ezra goes back with Ahsoka and they can chase after where Sabine and, uh, and Morgan went to find Thrawn, right? Like there's the, the problem yeah. now that they're set in is how does Hera and, uh, and Ahsoka and their crew find Thrawn? Right now, because they just destroyed the map. Um, I think that solves that issue, right? And so Anakin's going to jump in here, give her a little bit of cheat codes with the world between worlds, send mm-hmm. them back through, and uh, and go on their way. So that, that's, that's my running theory. And I think you're 100% right about Anakin pulling her in and what's going to happen. Uh, we're too good at this. I think we've spoiled the next episode for right. ourselves. And guys, I have to wrap it up there. But before I do, I just want to reiterate, these two people have written some of the best Star Wars videos we've done, especially our coverage of Ahsoka. And you should definitely follow both of them on socials. Uh, Dodd, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, or TikTok at Roos underscore Bane. Okay, and that'll be linked below. And of course, Colton Ogburn, where can the people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Colton Ogburn, and you can find me here on Screen Crush. And fantastic. We want to hear from all of you guys down in the comments below. Tell us what you thought of this episode. Tell us if you think Ahsoka's dead. And if you're new to the channel, please subscribe. Smash that bell for alerts. For Screen Crush, I'm Ryan Airy.